When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to A Pot of Their Own. This is episode 167 of A Pot of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Surovich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wiggin. Hello, Maggie. Hi, Allison. Um, So won't spend too much time on the Mets this week, to be perfectly honest, because they suck, and they aren't very fun to talk about right now. Boo. That's all I have to say. They suck. Um... <laughs> You know, they were swept by the Braves in absolutely brutal fashion, um, especially the final game of the Braves series was particularly brutal. Um, the Braves came from behind in all three games. Um, the Mets in the early going had had a habit of never scoring first um, and always fighting from behind, even in games that they won. Um, this was the exact opposite where they were ahead in all of these Braves games and the Braves came from behind and won them all. Um, and particularly the last one in extra innings was really brutal. Um, I personally speaking for myself, when the Mets did not score in the top of the 10th, I turned the game off because I knew exactly what was going to happen. And it happened that way. <laughs> I never turned any of the games on. Yeah, no, I didn't either. <laughs> I watched zero minutes of the Same race series. Here. <laughs> I just we did not do our podcast homework. <laughs> no. I just didn't have the mental capacity for it. I knew it was only gonna end in tears, and I was right. And it helped that it was just a really busy stretch for me that made it easier. I just yeah. read. I was happier reading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I watched most of the games uh, and regret it. So, yeah, um, it was not great. They, you know, they and then they went on to lose two out of three to the Pirates as well. Um, the one game I mean, they won. Mostly <laughs> they can't pitch and yeah. mostly they can't hit, but certainly never both at, at the, the same, same time. time. Absolutely yeah. never. I mean, they scored enough runs in the Brave series to win those games. You know, they they scored 10 runs in the final game and lost anyway. So that's just inexcusable on the part of the yeah. pitching staff. I understand that the Braves have a very good offense. I understand this. Um, but on a day when, you know, you tag Spencer Strider for however man, many runs they scored off Strider of the 10. I, I do remember. appreciate that they own Spencer Strider. I do. I, I do. I do like when there is like a really good opposing guy who just the Mets make him blink every time yeah and this was not the very lucky Mets this time they really they they really got to Strider this time um no infield hits in fact in one of the games um I think it was it was the Max Scherzer game in the Max Scherzer game the Braves had several hits that never left the infield and I was like hmm how the turntables uh are we going to talk <laughs> about how lucky the Braves are now <laughs> Because Scherzer, like, Scherzer, it was a weird outing for Scherzer. He struck out 10 batters, but he gave up 11 hits. But I feel like, don't don't quote me on this. Don't fact check me. But I feel like half of them were infield hits. <laughs> um, at least it felt that way. Um, but, you know, you win how you win. And uh, the Braves won all the games. So, yep. And then the Mets lost two out of three of the Pirates as well. Um, the only game that they won, uh, Kodai Senga pitched excellent. Uh, so that was kind of the basically the one highlight this week, other than Francisco Alvarez getting uh, getting it back together after a brief cold stretch and going back to hitting dingers. He hit four dingers this week. Um, so, yeah, it's but it's a bad time overall right now. Um and to add injury to insult from the Brave series, 
Um, Pete Alonzo is now on the injured list uh, because he got hit by a pitch uh, in one of the Braves games by Charlie Morton, and he has a bone bruise and a wrist sprain, and the lineup looks really bad without him in it. Just really bad. Um, This is how it feels like. The Mets are already bad. We're all miserable, and then the universe is like, oh no, you thought you were miserable before, and then they just... I mean, how many of these midseason injuries to David Wright did we live through? How many? Lots. So many. Lots. We know what what we're facing here. I know, but it's still not fun. No. You thought this was rock bottom? (laughs) And that's why you were reading and I was playing on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why we have Allison here to represent us appropriately. (laughs) I will watch the Mets again someday, I promise. Someday, yes. Someday now. I might... (laughs) bizarrely watch them play the Yankees because I'm just weird that way. Ugh, I hate the Subway series. I, I hate the Subway series. I do so. too, but I also like I could use a good hate watch right now. Also, like the Yankees are also bad. So I mean mostly because it's it's a Mets Yankees series without Pete Alonso and Aaron Judge. That's kind of terrible content to be perfectly <laughs> honest. This is always the Yankees though. They start out bad, then all of a sudden get hot and then you look up and they're like right there. Oh, no, they'll the definitely end up again. like yeah, they'll like win the division or something crazy like that because they That's just like, always do. But then the Mets nope. they they start bad and then just stay bad. Hey, to be fair, we might get good enough that they don't make any significant moves at the deadline. True. I don't trust Epler to handle a deadline, so I'm okay with that. Yeah, no, I mean. Yeah, I mean, there there are already rumblings. Not rumblings. There's, like, articles being written, like, should the Mets sell? And I mean, like, maybe, but, like, I don't, again, I don't trust Billy Epler to sell either. And also, like... As we've said over and over on this podcast, the Mets, the uh, National League is a pile of garbage. Uh, the Mets can still pull a twenty twenty two Phillies and just like squeak into the playoffs and then get hot at the right time. It's been known They're to happen. Tight with Not the to Reds the right now. They're tight with the Cincinnati Reds. Well, yeah. the other thing is they're just not built to sell. I mean, no. I guess you'd probably try to like trade Scherzer and maybe Verlander if he could like throw one good pitch Verlander and his 4.85 ERA woo (laughs) reigning Cy Young champ baby I mean like I know he's I know he is extremely frustrated by it as well like I don't hold any particular grudge against him as a person but like yikes it's not what you want it's really bad and so I mean I just feel like what are the kinds of pieces that get moved at the deadline and they don't have any of those like those are all the pieces that aren't going well for the Mets right now is like their bullpen and their bench and their DH spot. And like all the other, all the players that are even like worth trading are also worth keeping. So, oh, well, I mean, it's basically David Robertson. That's basically, yeah. Um, they could sell David Robertson at the deadline that David Robertson got traded at the deadline last year for, you know, a nice return. Um, and it could, so they could do that, but that's really about it. That's the only like, and if Ottavino pitches like a little better, like he could also be similarly valuable. Um, I mean, I don't want to put this out into the universe, but in theory, you could trade Pete Alonso and then sign him after the season. Ew. Also, I don't think they would do that though. No, I think it would break Pete's heart, honestly. Well, and I think also that's the kind of thing where. Like, I think Steve Cohen is a very cutthroat person, but also he wants to control a situation and trading away your like hometown. I mean, not really hometown, but like homegrown star player, like doesn't look like a guy who has control. And And I feel like he would not want to do that. And like you want in theory, you want to extend Alonzo. And so like that kind of like kills all the good vibes on any extension. Not that they're talking right now, but like it would really lessen the chances that that would happen and i don't think that the mets want that although um, a um a healthy pete alonzo would be like a monstrous trade deadline piece yes yeah would. I, I mean he would instantly become the most valuable assuming that otani is not moved alonzo would instantly become the most valuable available player yeah I mean, that is what the Mets should do if they're at all serious about competing this year and possibly next year as well, is just get Otani like 
immediately. Send a yes. charter plane for him right now. I mean, like, <laughs> Get on the, the plane, man. The the free agency outlook after him looks incredibly bleak. bleak. Um, so that's the other issue is like there's no way to solve this long term. And now that Beatty and Alvarez and Vientos have graduated from the farm, they have like a bottom five farm system now. Um, they have one pitcher of value in that farm system, Mike Vassell, who just got promoted. Like kind of amazing to- one. <laughs> yeah. Mike Vassell just got promoted to AAA. Um, so like he is a guy who could potentially have an impact this year or next year. Um, but that's Shouldn't about Ed all. Allen be coming back from Tommy John. I mean, sometime in what the is this like his third major elbow surgery in like yeah. two years? Yeah. Um, from complex to Queens, answer this question for us. Yeah, yeah. like I crossover. I don't count him <laughs> as I don't count him as anything at this point, sadly. Um, and yeah, I mean, other than that, it's just really Ronnie Mauricio, whose ankle is hurt right now. So they don't have reinforcements coming. Um, and they, yeah, this this is it. They they either have to buckle up and start playing better, or I don't know. And Steve Cohen, related to the, like, not trading Alonso because of, you know, be, the Mets playing poorly. Steve Cohen all basically already run on the record with the New York Post, like saying that he's not going to act rashly in firing Buckshow Walter or whatever. Um, he's not, he's just not that type of guy. Um, and I think that that is ultimately the right decision. Like, I'm not saying that Buck has done a good job managing this year, um, but I just don't see what firing him changes anything it's not going to fix anything um and also i think that the mets really want um there's been a lot of talk about you know about bringing stearns on to be president of baseball operations for next year and potentially him bringing craig council along with him who is a very coveted um managerial candidate so i think that the mets don't want to ruin any of that goodwill by like mid-season firing their respected veteran manager um i don't think craig council and david cerns are going to look at that and see an organization that they want to be a part of so because it looks like someone who doesn't have control over the situation exactly (laughs) um so i think we're just kind of stuck in this holding pattern with the mets playing really terrible baseball unfortunately but if the pattern holds after Buck leaves, the Mets should win the World Series. Yeah, true. If Buck's pass is the <laughs> indicator, then they're then the Mets are one year away from a World Series. So maybe there's that. <laughs> um so roster moves the Mets have made in the past week. Um, or as we call it, rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Correct. Um Luis Kiarme is back on the team since Alonso's <laughs> on the injured list. Um, so that's a thing now. Um Tommy Hunter and Steven Nagosik were both designated for assignment. Um, Zach Muckenhern was optioned back after being called up, basically pitched one game, pitched bad, got optioned back. John Curtis and Josh Walker have been recalled. Uh, maybe my dude will do something this time. <laughs> Who can say? <laughs> um Safe to say my dude has been a failure this year, but so far, but maybe he has the energy coming his way. Yes. It's going to turn around for him. I'm rooting so hard for him. I feel like Bill, I mean, again, full disclosure, I didn't watch. I just, just saw people complaining. I feel like the last Pirates game was like the perfect encapsulation of everything going wrong. Like, Buck pinch hit Luis Guillorme for Mark Vientos and he, he struck out on a pitch clock violation. He did. Yes. <laughs> Oof. Like, um, I mean, like, can you get any more Metsy? Yeah, I mean, like, people are mad about that. Um, I like, don't get me wrong, don't strike out on pitch clock violation, but like, people were mad about the decision. I'm not like like I get it. Luis Guillorme is not a very good hitter, but like Mark Vientos has not been very good either. And people keep saying that people keep complaining about like his inconsistent playing time being the reason for his struggling. And like he's like 
he hasn't played every day since Pete Alonso got IL'd, but he's been playing a lot more and he hasn't really done anything with it. So like, yeah, it's been a couple weeks now, even before Pete was hurt. I feel like he was starting to be in the lineup more often. Yeah. And it's just been, he hasn't been good. And today the Mets signed Luke Voigt to a minor league contract. And I have a feeling that if he does anything at AAA Syracuse, Mark Vientos' days on the big league roster might be numbered for the time being more deck chair shuffling. the only contribution i have to the luke voigt discourse is i was at a game when they were playing the brewers and he was on the brewers and the points bet bet of the game or something was how many buttons he would have unbuttoned so I forget how many the the person said in the stadium, and then Luke Boyd unbuttoned his whole jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible! I love that so much. So he did like play up to the crowd and had fun with it. So I'm like, okay, he seems kind of fun. But yeah, no, Luke Boyd had, does have fun vibes. Yeah, <laughs> but other than that, I think he's bad. <laughs> Some someone pointed out, and I'm not sure. I cannot. I cannot confirm this through research but someone pointed out that they think that luke voigt might be one of the players that like tommy fam has weird beef with unclear Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> i mean we already we know about the jock peterson situation yeah. we know about that but like tommy fam has kind of a short fuse and can get weird about certain things and uh yeah so apparently he and luke voigt are don't get along unclear um if that's i still true. stand by the i think tommy fam should just be the dh he probably should. I mean, he's actually playing well. He's like one of the few hitters hitting right now. It's basically like him and Alvarez who have been hitting for the past like week or so. Other guys have been up and down kind of. Mark Pride Month, Marcana. Pride Month, Marcana, although he has cooled off a little bit. He basically had the one he had the one good game in the one game the Mets won this week. Marcana <laughs> drove in like four of the Mets five runs or something. Didn't he get one of the three hits from yesterday too? Yeah, I think he might have. Um, At least yeah. he's showing up to work. Yeah. So <laughs> it's been, it, the, there's been inconsistencies. But yeah, Tommy Pham has been good for like a few weeks now. Um, so yeah, he should probably just DH. They they are not getting anything out of Vientos. They are still not getting anything out of Vogelbach. And yeah, I don't know. It would be fun, even even though Vogelbach has been stinking up the joint, it would be fun aesthetically to have the, like, DH platoon Voigt Vogelbach, like, the two large beefy men on opposite <laughs> platoon side. <laughs> um, I like the symmetry. Yeah, it's, it's fun. <laughs> I like that. Uh, but, yeah, uh, it's it's bleak. Stuff's bleak. Um, the uh, we, we uh, I have two... I have two small, like, silver linings as I grasped at straws while I was doing the show notes to find something positive to talk about when it comes to the Mets. One of them is that Edwin Diaz posted another new picture of him progressing in his rehab. Um, He posted a picture of him, like, doing squats on the uh, blood flow restriction training machine, which... When, when I saw the, like, because everybody was just, like, reposting the picture, like, look, he's doing squats. I immediately saw the BFR cuff on his leg, and I was like, I'm getting PTSD. <laughs> I, I definitely know, like, three people who have had various leg surgeries who are like, yep, I know that one. Yep. It's... So for those of you unfamiliar with uh, with physical therapy for uh, horrific knee injuries... Um, and other types of injuries too. Um, this is pr- this is a fairly common thing. Um, blood flow restriction training, which is also something that bodybuilders do, um, is a way to like work your muscles really hard to build muscle without bearing a lot of load on the affected joint or leg or arm or whatever. Um, because when you're when you're still like relatively soon removed from surgery you can't lift heavy weights like my knee would have simply buckled i wouldn't have been able to handle it but you still want to build that quad strength so what you do is you do um you basically put a giant blood pressure cuff on your leg um above the knee on the quad muscle and it squeezes you like a blood pressure cuff and it doesn't stop squeezing it gets tighter and tighter and tighter and you have to do exercises like that and it is so uncomfortable <laughs> It's not painful per se, but it's just like, yeah, like imagine if you were 
getting your blood pressure taken and the cuff just kept squeezing and they made you like bench press like that. That's what, that's exactly what it's like. It's really difficult (laughs) and it's not fun at all, but it works. (laughs) Um, And that is, I suppose, the most important part. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So just kind of feel bad that he's, you know, putting in all this work and you know he's determined to make it back this season and I don't think it's gonna matter. Yeah, like at this point you see all those pictures and he's working so hard and you're like, Edwin, what's the point? You You just take your time. Just chill. It's too late. You take care of yourself, man. I don't know. It would be fun to get a narco this year. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably also part of the bad vibes. It's just the fun factor has gone way down. Oh, yeah. For sure. Way down. And now, like, like, I would argue that the two, like, most fun players on the team, although, like, I would call Francis, I would say Francisco Lindor, like, kind of rounds out the trio. Um, And Starling Marte. Um, But two of the most fun players on the team are... Edwin Diaz and Pete Alonso, and now they're both hurt. Yeah. And Lindor is also not playing very well. And that makes the fun less fun. He's been better (laughs) the past week. He's been better the past week, but yeah, it's overall the season has not been very good. The only thing that's salvaging anything right now is Alvarez. Yeah, pretty much. It's protect him at all costs. Yeah, wrap him in bubble wrap or do whatever you have to. And send him to the all-star game. I think that would be good for him. I was going to ask, like, who's the Mets all-star at this point? Because it's going to be Pete yeah, Alonso. Be. Yeah. I guess. But, but like, like Sean no. Murphy is, like, popping off. And, like, I don't know. I don't know. I have Maybe. a question. Would you want to see Alvarez in the home run derby? Yes. I think it would yeah. be fun. Yes. Yeah. He, he would hit such monster freaking dingers in the home run derby. I think everybody would feel a lot better after that. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm I'm feeling sad that we're probably not going to get to see Pete Alonso. Yeah, no Pete. I know. And that's like Pete in his glory. That's what he lives for. Literally Pete Alonso in his element. Like, yeah. this, like Pete Alonso was built for the home run derby. He was designed in a lab for the home run derby. <laughs> and we, we're not getting that content this year. Simply inexcusable. Yeah. I hate it. Thanks. Way to make 2023 even more cursed than it already was. Like, please. This is the one thing that we had to look forward to. But, like, I want him in, like, a Rocky-style, like, montage training Alvarez for it. I know. Oh, I need it so bad. (laughs) Oh, that would be so good. Oh, that would be so fun. Yeah, that'd be good. So, yeah, I think there's an outside chance Alvarez makes the All-Star team. It's tough, though, because he hasn't been up the whole season, and there's Sean Murphy and others that are killing it at the catching position um other than that like it's really just like i think personally that brandon nimmo should make the all-star team but he's yes, not going yes. to um but robertson but, probably could i think robertson has a shot yeah robertson has a shot um but he's actually not pitched very well lately like he's i pitched, know it's good but not great like he had been great and now lately he's just been okay good fine <laughs> um yeah, he's starting to starting to be a little human, which is fine. You know, it was going to happen. His overall numbers are still excellent. But yeah, like his all-star case was like much, much better like two or three weeks ago. Um, I still think that he has an outside chance of making it. And I like I think Brandon Nimmo should make the all-star team. But yeah, he's, he's yeah, because he's consistently underrated by everyone. But like when I looked. The last time I looked at this now, you know, he's kind of cooled off since I looked at this when I looked at this the day the balloting opened, whenever that was. But I looked it up and the only NL outfielders at the time with a higher FWAR than Brandon Nimmo were Juan Soto, Mookie Betts and Ronald Acuna. That's it. That's the list. And those those three are guaranteed all stars. Well, he's also, I mean, he's added so much value on the field this year, too. I feel like every year he just gets better and better out there, which, like, age-wise should not be the case. And yet there's Brandon Nimmo, like, killing it. And, like, worth noting, too, um, like, Kodai Sanga pitched really well in the only game the Mets won, and Mark Hanna drove in all the runs, so they were kind of the two um, MVPs of the one Mets win this week. But a low-key MVP of that game was Brandon Nimmo because he made a, 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 like, 
at least one run, probably two run saving catch in like the bases were loaded in the first, second inning. I think it was the second inning. The bases were loaded with two outs. And I think it was Connor Joe hit one like to the warning track. Like I thought it was a grand slam off the bat. And I was like, well, there goes this game too. (laughs) Um, I thought it was a grand slam off the bat. And Brandon Nimmo did one of his like leaps against the wall. I don't think it would have gone out actually if he hadn't caught it, but it would have, it would have gone off the wall for a double and it probably would have cleaned the bases, but instead the inning was over. And then Kodai Senga went on to give up zero runs. So that's another thing that Brandon Nimmo has been so amazing at this year. He's already made like three or four fantastic catches, including a home run robbing catch. Very, very eerily similar to the Justin Turner one from last year. So yeah, I think Brandon Nimmo should be an all-star, but I'll get off my soapbox about that because uh, I feel like the Mets, uh, uh, us Mets fans have no right to be demanding anything, right? <laughs> no. And I would be happy to just attend. Yeah, you know, they're like if they're angry at the team, they're probably not motivated to vote. So yeah, that's sad. That is true. Yeah. Meanwhile, the like my my friend who is a Phillies fan texted me and was like, "Do the Braves have some sort of ballot stuffing operation going on for the All Star game?" And I looked, and like every position, like the Braves are winning, basically. Because they're playing well. So when you're yeah, they're playing about well. the team. I was like, A, they do like a very good coordinated campaign every year. B, their fans are insane. C, and I mean that like both positively and negatively, I guess. Um, and C, like they're good. And D, Ronald Acuna is going to win the MVP. So, yeah. Anyway, must be nice. <laughs> um, the other like small silver lining <laughs> is an update on uh, Maggie's walk-off win Yay! from a recent podcast. Um, we we were talking about how you know we were we were sad about uh, Shay moving on, and we were gonna miss Shay so much because we love him and he's super cute. But obviously, he's going on to be an actual service dog, which is awesome. But we were hoping, like, please don't leave us hanging, Mets. Like, have a successor for Shay right away. And the Mets answered our call. There is a successor to Shay, and his name is Seaver, and he's a black lab puppy, and he's freaking cute as hell and i'm so he's excited. a real cute puppy he is i want to snuggle the puppy he is like cover of puppy magazine yeah like hallmark channel puppy cute um and like the little blep oh my god oh the little blip and the and his little cute. paws on the dugout really yeah. <laughs> oh and i showed the player snuggling because he was there with shay and i was like oh shay's passing the baton it was so cute <laughs> So I'm like, at least at least if there's no other reasons to go to City Field this year, there is one in that maybe you will get a chance to pet Seaver and your life will be changed forever. <laughs> yeah, we we need to keep this streak going since we saw Shay. Now we have to see Seaver. Yeah. So at least if nothing else, the Mets have Seaver and he's so cute. So please just show him. Like one shot of him at least every game broadcast because otherwise I don't know how I'm gonna make it through these games. Like I'm gonna go we... with inning. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> per inning actually. You're like, don't even show the score bug. Just have like a GoPro on Seaver and just have that in the corner instead of the score bug. Would I watch. mean? Could we just can can they just replace all of the Mets games with just like Seaver footage? <laughs> Seaver yeah. Cam. Seaver <laughs> Cam. Remember Puppy Cam? Puppy yes. Cam. Seaver Cam. Oh my God. I lost so many hours of my life to Puppy Cam. We need Seaver Cam. I mean, we need it now. Yeah. yeah. We demand Seaver Cam meds. Please, please, please hear our call. So, <laughs> in our baseball segment this week, we have a few sort of quick hits to talk about. Um, the first one being the sort of it, this was like a, a news, like a worldwide event or like a, at least a nationwide news event um, that affected baseball in addition to everything else. Um, the wildfire smoke that had blown down the East Coast from Canada 
um, caused the postponement of some East Coast games last week, um, including the Nationals, where I live in D.C. The weather was really bad. Um, same in New York. The the smog was awful. The air quality was terrible. Um, it caused a postponement of the Yankees game because the Yankees were playing at home. Unfortunately, A, they didn't act really quickly on that. They kind of waited until the last minute when everyone was like, seriously seriously um and then they still played a double header the next day when the air quality was like a little better but still pretty shitty it was still like solidly in the do not go outside unless you absolutely have to category and they played two full baseball games in that in those conditions i did not go out in that at all which is just i wore a mask when i went out yeah, I had to go out uh, for reasons that I'm going to talk about in my walk off win. But um, I had to go out. And so uh, but I wore a mask. And so, yeah, it's just unconscionable to to do this. Um, the you know, the NWSL canceled the spirit game like the, like all the other leagues got the memo um, and MLB kind of didn't. Um, so well, it was yeah. such an easy it, it's such a layup. Like it's bad weather. You cancel for bad weather all the time. Right. If it was raining a lot, then they would cancel. But raining smoke was like, meh, seems normal. It's like, well, and I feel like they did the same thing a few years ago in California. Like the Giants were playing, and this guy was, it looked like this guy in New York City where it was bright orange. And everybody was like, I'm pretty sure this is not safe right now. And I feel like, since we have ways of measuring air quality, if it reaches a certain point, just cancel the game. Yeah, like it's really easy to just be like, like this is a this is a quantifiable thing. So it's yes. very easy to be like, if the air quality index reaches this number, you don't play this. You don't play this outdoor sport. It's one thing if you have roof. Yeah, you're just rooms, encouraging but... other people to sit there for three hours. So it's not just the players. You're in, you have 30,000 people sitting there breathing in this air. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's insane. The The Brooklyn Cyclones also played, by the way. That they is, did, yes. They, and they didn't cancel any games. And that was... And like, that was really, like... That was kind of the worst of it that afternoon, too. Yeah. That was when, like, you were just walking around the city and you just couldn't... You couldn't see. Like, it just could not see. I was feeling really sick that day and I was inside, but like since people kept op- coming in and the doors kept opening, this like I kept breathing the air coming in and I felt really sick by the end of the day. And that was me sitting inside. And the minor leaguers don't have uh don't have as good a health as health insurance as the major leaguers and they're out here playing in these hazardous conditions. Basically that's like smoking a pack of cigarettes. Ugh. Like like, I would say that you'd think we would have learned something from the COVID-19 pandemic about public health precautions, but, like, we oh. clearly didn't. So <laughs> this is just par for the course, I guess. Like, please. um, Yeah, so MLB should be better about that. They should just, like, this should teach us a lesson that we should just set a number for if the air quality gets above this number, don't play. And but considering how things are going you're gonna deal with this a lot more often especially in california exactly climate change is going to mean that this is only going to get worse it's not going to go away or get better it's just going to keep happening and it's going to be worse um like we talk about the effects of climate change a lot when it comes to like putting roofs on stadiums because of like increasing extreme weather like as far as like hurricanes, rain, like storms and that sort of thing. But we don't talk a lot about this, which is like increased wildfires, which is also the result of climate change and causing like these conditions in places that haven't previously dealt with it. Like California was talking about how like, oh, why is this suddenly news is happening on the East Coast? We dealt with this all the time. It's like, yes, that's terrible that you guys deal with this a lot. But like it is a noteworthy thing. And it's news that this is happening in new places. <laughs> If they started getting nor'easters, if they were getting nor'easters in the northwest, we would be super extra concerned about that too. Because yeah. like, it's not good anywhere, man. 
It's like when when the South gets snow and ice, they're not used yeah. to dealing with it. Like you can in the Northeast, we can be like, ha ha ha, they have two snow plows. They can't like, but it's it's an actual emergency for them because they don't have the resources or the equipment to deal with it. They they aren't used to it, and this is going to start happening everywhere in the sense that there are going to be extreme weather events of all types in places that aren't used to dealing with those particular weather events. And so, and, and MLB stadiums are going to be affected by this because baseball is a sport that is played outdoors. All future stadiums should have roofs on them. It just like, listen, I don't enjoy watching baseball in a, in a roof covered stadium either. I've been to the Rogers center when the roof was closed. It wasn't that nice, but like, that's where we live in now. Sorry. <laughs> it stinks, but that's the way it is. Unless you want games keep uh, that have to keep getting canceled. Like it's the only solution, really. Try to have a mega billionaire own the team so he will pay for a retractable roof. And then when you can breathe the air, it could be open. Yeah. And also now a treat. we don't even get like spring anymore. It stays cold until June. We yeah. did have a very nice spring this year. This I think year we, we did discussed actually. it a couple. And you know what? I will say, like we discussed it a couple weeks ago. Spring has persisted. That was part of why I was so mad about the smoke because like yes. it was we actually right... beautiful out. It yeah, was it should have been a like perfect spring open windows kind of days. Um and instead I was running the air conditioner like a sucker. Yeah. Yep. Oh, but then even like when I was in my car, the it was pulling the air from the outside. I was like, oh my God, I can't breathe. Yeah. It it was not fun. But and it was like it's supposed to be a sunny day, yet it's completely cloudy outside and the sun looks like the eye of Sauron. Yep. <laughs> it was like it was quite apocalyptic, like the vibes. It, really it was, was eerie. I I had to work until seven o'clock, and when I was driving home at seven o'clock, nobody was out. It was this really eerie, apocalyptic feeling. What well, was really funny? It's not funny, funny, but like, um, the kids were so much more relaxed about it because, like, they don't know that a sky can be wrong. <laughs> but like we have 30 plus years of sky experience and can be like, this sky is wrong. And they're just like, huh, different sky. <laughs> yeah. So just yep. Oh, it smells like campfire. S'mores. <laughs> it did smell kind of nice. <laughs> yeah. If it wasn't like the death smell, it would have been very pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so speaking of the Rogers Center, we have a we have a Blue Jays uh, point point to discuss, <laughs> um, which is that uh, the Blue Jays made the utterly baffling decision to have Anthony Bass catch a ceremonial first pitch thrown during Pride Weekend. We talked about Anthony Bass a couple weeks ago <laughs> on the show and his latest, uh, you know, undertakings online, I guess. Uh, po- po- AKA posting of very hateful things about queer people. Um, but then before, before that whole thing could happen, they designated him for silence. <laughs> but I also like from the very, it, it almost seemed inevitable that that would be the kind of like dumbass like resolution to the situation they come up with. They're like, we'll have him throughout the first pitch. I even thought about like making a joke tweet, but I couldn't get it phrased just right. And then they went and just tweeted it out. (laughs) And um, that was wild. It's really one of those things where like, you know, you're in the middle of, Hey, there's no bad ideas in a brainstorm. And you get to that when you're like, bad idea. Uh, But they didn't get to that part where they realized it was a bad idea. No. And like, of course, all the, all the people who are, you know, on his side about this are are saying that he was like, you know, he was DFA'd because he was canceled by the woke mob or whatever. No, no, no. He he's he was DFA'd because he pitched like shit. Let's be clear. He was canceled by like being bad at baseball. By being bad at baseball. <laughs> like it like this the Blue Jays DFAing him has nothing to do with his shitty online behavior and, and his bigotry. No, no, no. They would keep a bigot on the team if he was pitching well. <laughs> Because they gave him multiple platforms, too. They kept trying to, you know, reform him. They were actually going to have him throw out the first yeah, pitch. Yeah, like, they like intended to do this. To be like, Nobody look, came he's to good the right now. minds. 
you know, on a political sense, it was just, um, yeah, just sheer luck that made this not happen. Yeah. It, the whole thing is, is absolutely insane. Um, and, uh, Caitlin McGrath in the athletic wrote, um, an excellent piece about, about the Anthony Bass situation, um, which you should check out, um, and we will post in the in the show notes and the tweets, et cetera, um, about how the way that they handled this basically like failed the LGBTQ community because it was just a debacle from the start. It was just like a really it was a clown show, basically. Um, and, you know, the fact that uh, this that this article appears in The Athletic is noteworthy because speaking of <laughs> we learned today um, that The Athletic it laid off like a uh of how many how much percent of their staff it was like it's a 20 percent 20 percent yeah it was 20 people or 20 percent i can't remember something a significant portion of their staff um including like pretty much all the like team-based beat writers that aren't in the like big markets more or less like which you know feels shitty, like you know f- from a Mets fan perspective, it's like, oh, our 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 beats are safe because we're a New York team, but like it's shitty because you know the small markets don't have as many beat writers to begin with, and now well, and all of them are getting laid off. Because one of the things that if this show had been going on when the Athletics started, we would have made a point of is that the guy who founded the Athletics said in an interview out loud printed in black and white that his goal was to wipe out local sports beat reporting yep like explicitly like he wanted to end that industry and absorb it completely into the athletic and that's just what happened i mean it's not like the athletic is the only reason that those that those smaller beats shut down like it's been a larger trend in journalism for a while but like that's what happened. It's like Walmart moving in and, you know, buying out all the the small businesses or like running them out of town and then raising their prices and doing what they do. I mean, it's just, it's, they, they actively tried to destroy a part of the industry and it worked. And it worked. It's like, and it followed the exact blueprint of shitty venture capitalist journalism that we've come to get used to in other, like in other areas of media. I mean, you know, like we will, we will be candid and make no mistake about it that the same thing has happened at Vox. And that's why we're no longer, you know, this podcast is no longer part of SB Nation is no longer part of Vox. Um, you know, they Vox just had the same thing where they laid off a bunch of people. And then, you know, the athletics started as like the this whole like, we're going to shake up the industry, like in, injecting a bunch of capital into into the industry and poaching all the beat writers because the athletic could pay them more than their local paper. And then and it they was got- like an amazing all star team, especially at the beginning. Yes. At the beginning, it really felt like every single person on that list was like a rock star in baseball reporting already. I mean, it was so much so that why I joined the, why I'm joining the athletic became a meme. (laughs) Yeah. Like that became a meme. Like everyone was saying like, why I'm joining the athletic. Like that was like a meme because they were, they were poaching so many good baseball writers that we all follow. Probably the health insurance. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's, they, they offered the, the sense of stability. Um, an investment in the people you know there was a reason that they all went to the athletic and there's a reason a lot of them are still there yes like it is compared to many a like livable place to work in sports reporting but like compared to many like it's is the lowest bar on the planet yeah so like step one was this venture capitalism where the you know they inject a bunch of money they are able to pay their writers more step two get bought out by the new york times like at a profit like make your profit um by selling to the big big newspaper and then the big big newspaper makes the cuts because they don't actually care about this stuff (laughs) because they're the new york times um then they're reasoning made no sense they're like we're laying off a bunch of local beat reporters because we want to focus more on local reporting 
And it's like, but but that makes no sense. You just got rid of all your local. Like, how are you going to focus on local reporting? They have like two writers left. How are they going to come up with something that makes sense? Yeah. Like, don't don't try to sell me some bullshit. I see right through you. Now, like, I'm going to let my subscription run through. And I don't know. I really like I love a lot of the reporting that they do, but I just feel like this model is so um, it's it's just so vile. Yeah. It's yeah, it's gross. Uh, I I feel the same way, Maggie. I'm like I I'm a subscriber to the Athletic because there's a lot of stuff that they a lot of good work that they do that you can't really get anywhere else. And uh, but like, how long do I feel like? How long before it becomes too icky for me to support this? We need like, an athletic defector. Yeah, but yeah, where I mean, do we like, go? We. I- the, the, the local newspapers are all laying their people off. Like, we, we saw some of the SB Nation. They just flat out shut down a lot of their blogs. It would have to be a collective. I mean, that's why yeah. Defector is the one that came to mind. Like, it would yeah, have to why be Defector some works. sort of, yeah, some kind of co-op model. I don't know. There just has to be someone who is crazy enough to try to make it work I yeah like podcast dad would be a good guy to get on this <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't seriously. have enough to do yeah, <laughs> yeah he no. created this network <laughs> we, we you know in addition to like saving our podcasts and a bunch of other SB Nation orphan podcasts we are only simply putting saving sports journalism on his plate good luck with that podcast, no big, dad. No big. thanks <laughs> um anyone yeah, can do I mean, it I mean, Defector is is really the ideal model, like for for quality journalism these days, right? But like the only reason Defector is even able to work is because they had a built in, like very very yeah. dedicated subscriber base from the start. But yeah, it's very hard to recreate that. Um, and I'm not sure if another if another venture similar to it would be successful because defector is just a very special case, but yeah. it is like their model is the way, right? Um, the way you don't get what has happened to the athletic and Vox and all these other uh, digital media companies. Um, yeah. It's shitty. Um, and yes, so we- uh, with that, I'm going to shout out another piece in The Athletic, because, um, again, this is the type of stuff that, you know, and it's like a lot of topics that we cover on this podcast are the type of stuff that, like, only The Athletic is writing about or only local newspapers are writing about. Right. Like the the story that we talked about, for example, with um, well, for, first of all, all the like all the sexual harassment stories connected to the Mets. Like you could list them on your fingers. All the sexual harassment stories connected to the Mets. Like that was all athletic coverage. Yeah. Um, That was all like like the David Newman story, Mickey Calloway. All of that was the athletic. Not to say it wouldn't have come out any other way, but like they're the ones that took the time to really cover it and speak to victims. Well, they picked up stuff that was not recent that no one else had. So I don't know that all of it would have come out. Right. Well, and also beat reporters have to worry about access. Yes. Yes. Um, So, like, that's the type of thing that we talk about on this podcast that, like, you can't really get anywhere else. Similarly, like, a a story that I flagged to talk about this week um, was about the the AA Portland radio team, um, which is two women, and they're the second all-female broadcast booth in history. Um, they, they made history. We talked about it on this show when they first announced it back in April that it was going to be, you know, a, another woman joining the lead play-by-play reporter or the lead play-by-play broadcaster. Sorry. Um, we talked about that on the show. Um, and the athletic did like a very deep dive into, into this booth and how they're doing this season and like talked to both of them and like did a really good story about it. And, this is the type of stuff that, you know, a, like a double A radio broadcast booth of two women. Like, this is the type of thing that, like, you know, mainstream media outlets, like big media outlets don't often cover. I don't so. think, because a lot of human interest stories, they're not, they're not going to invest in that. They just want, you know, the, you know, the game scores, the game recaps and you know, are they going to fire Buck Showalter? But everything else is kind of, 
you know, just not necessary anymore. That's what it seems like. Where else are we going to get our like five or six different articles listing out all the amazing and hilarious things that Granky has done? Yeah. And that's not a complaint that there are five or six of them. They're all amazing and we need more of them. And the athletic has always been the ones to deliver. Exactly. You like Zach, more Zach Greinke and Joey Votto stories. Yeah. We love it. So it's, it's, it's a really sad day. I feel really sad about all the good journalists who lost their jobs today. I'm sure many of them will land on their feet somewhere else. Um, but it's just it's it's bleak. It's bleak in sports journalism right now. And like, to be frank, like I, I, I tweeted about this, but like there was a time it was very it was very brief and fleeting. But there was a time when I had applied to a bunch of stuff after I graduated from my with from my Ph.D. program and like got rejected a bunch of times, was feeling kind of like, you know, dejected and like disillusioned with my chosen field like I knew I didn't want to stay in academia but I wasn't really getting jobs or like fellowships anywhere else and so I was like maybe I should just quit science altogether and write about baseball and like I almost like I had filled out an application to like to a Mets like columnist job and I thought about it and and I didn't end up doing it because I ended up getting another opportunity soon after that but like there was a time where I at least considered making this my full-time job. And I'm sad to say that today is one of those days where I'm really glad I didn't do that because like, this is the landscape that's out there. Yeah. When and I first wa- started fun. writing for Mets blog in 2013, um, a couple of different people in the industry like encouraged me to look into doing it full-time. And in retrospect, how dare you? Yeah. Really? <laughs> what did I ever <laughs> do to you guys? Come on, man. <laughs> and I think honestly, if I asked either of them, like, if we could go back, would you also suggest that? I think both of them would be highly apologetic. <laughs> right. And like the only reason I'm able to still like to to write about the Mets at Amazing Avenue to do this podcast um, is because I have another career. Like that is the only reason I can do this because like the amount that we get paid for this, like to be frank, it's not enough to support ourselves. It's like, we do this because we love it. Um, Subscribe to our Patreon. Yes, please. (laughs) Just like, side note, (laughs) while you're listening. Please help pay us, thanks. Um, You can pause if it's hard for you to listen and fill out the credit card information at the same time. You can pause it right here. We'll wait for you. Yeah, (laughs) we'll be right here when you get back. Um, yeah. So like for so many, and there's so many people, and this is why the public of like the, uh, sports writing industry is what it is because most people who are underrepresented in the industry, whether it be women, people of color, queer folks, uh, folks who don't have a ton of money, socioeconomically disadvantaged people, et cetera. Like the reason why there's not that diversity in the industry is because, Like those folks can't afford to take unpaid internships to break into the industry and things like that. They don't know like old school white dude beat reporters from, you know, from uh, eras past. Like that's not part of their social network. So like, how do you break into the industry? And like, you know, only people who like pretty much like don't rely on this for their day job or are able to do it or like, People who get gigs at the athletic and then eventually get laid off from them. Like, right? So it's just, it's not, it's not good. It's sad. I'm sad about the state of uh, journalism and media now. Um, Obviously, particularly sports journalism, but this applies more broadly too. Um, Yeah, it's, it's not great. Um, another not great thing <laughs> is that, uh, we've been talking about, we've been following this story, um, mostly thanks to Jason Garcia, who is the main person, uh, covering this. Um, he covers like, he's an investigative reporter who covers like corporate influence in Florida. Um, we talked about that, that bill, um, uh, that, is happening in Florida uh, that would exempt minor leaguers from the minimum wage laws in Florida that was pushed by major league baseball and by ownership groups. Um, And uh, Ron DeSantis uh, just signed that bill into law uh, today. And Ricketts gave him a nice donation to his campaign. Yep. Cubs owner, Joe Ricketts donated to Ron DeSantis's uh, 
presidential campaign a hefty donation after he signed that bill. So nice little quick pro quo there. Yeah, you know where the moneyed interests lie here. Um, yeah. So this is it's crappy. It's shitty. At least at least the minor leaguers are unionized now. It puts into perspective Steve Cohen financially backing Chris Christie. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, yeah, that's something that we hadn't talked about on the show. But it, yeah, side note, that's a thing. I mean, like, it's such a... What a nice little jaunt for him. <laughs> fun. Yeah. Chris Christie's running for president. Wanted to get out to Iowa for a while? What's even happening there? Chris Christie's running for president. He's being financially backed by Steve Cohen, and he's staying on the Mets like board of directors or whatever while he's here. Yeah, I love Martino tweeted that out like, oh, him running for, for president won't interfere with his Mets duties. It's like literally nobody <laughs> was worried about this. Don't worry, guys. Chris Christie is still carrying out his duties on the board of directors of the Mets. <laughs> oh, I was really worried there for a minute. <laughs> Yeah, hold on, hold on, you guys, will he still be able to to fulfill those duties when he's president? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Martino always with his finger on the pulse of the people. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so I guess, I don't know. I guess the takeaway from this is uh, you're, the owner of your baseball team is a shitty rich guy, too. All of them are. <laughs> They're all bad. They're all bad. It's just a question of whether they're bad guys who will spend money on your team or not, or just or just be cheap about your team and also. Be and if they're humans. bad, are they going to be using their money to support effective evil people like Ronda Sandis, Ron DeSantis, or actual clowns like Chris Christie? Exactly. It's kind of like yeah, whatever. That's relevant. I don't I don't agree with the values or anything he stands for, but it's relatively harmless because he's never going to be president. Yeah, like Cohen's just flushing his money down the toilet at this point. It's like never uh, going to be president now. Never going to be president now. It's like, it's like can't, uh, Steve, can't you can you use that money for like please one one Shohei Otani please instead of yeah. uh, instead of Chris Christie's presidential. I'm sure he stashed it in a side account. Uh, I hope so. Maybe it's stashed in a bathroom next to the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> <A> chandelier. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite was all the people tweeting about like new zoom background just dropped <laughs> i i personally could not get away with making that my zoom background at work but i sincerely hope other people do it <laughs> yeah <laughs> the chandelier the chandelier it's it's perfect. The chandelier made of plastic that it's, thing was it's incredible rough. It's incredible. And the candelabra on the wall. How much lighting does one bathroom need? <laughs> Your gaudy chandelier was not enough lighting. So here's a gaudy candelabra to go to match. Yeah. Oh, God. All right. And uh, a $10 Target curtain. <laughs> <laughs> on that note. We will end the show this week, like we always do, with walk-off wins, where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. Linda Cerevich, what is your walk-off win for this week? Uh, my walk-off win, it's kind of a two-parter. Um, my niece, Emily, had her uh, finale for her dance recital um, yesterday. Uh, she's been doing this, I think, five years now? And this is the first year she finally, like, let go a little bit. Every time I went, you could always see her thinking about, like, her moves, and she was focused, and she's she's a lot like me. She hates making a mistake and then overthinks it. So, and that was always on her face. Like, she was just, I gotta get these moves down, gotta get these moves down. But then finally, she was just letting go, and she was smiling and having fun and you could see it in her performance like completely different I mean she, I was always proud of her because it's a scary thing to you know go out in front of perform in front of a theater full of people um so just doing that is very brave so but um to finally see her you know really enjoying it you know made me happier feel happy for her too um so that was that was part one. And then part two was this poor little girl. She had to have been no more than four years old. 
you know, the, the little tykes come trying out on the on the stage, and then she just starts screaming, Mommy, I want my mommy. <laughs> and then the lights come on, and then that freaks her out even more. She starts walking. Oh. Um, so then every the- parent listening to this is either thinking, Aw, or oh. <laughs> like, I, thanks to an ill-advised uh flower girl situation i'm in the <laughs> latter category oh no oh trauma man so yeah so this dude the teacher was like trying to dance with her and like you know was trying and then finally she like did one little toe tap which like <laughs> sent the crowd into like like we all started cheering and then that freaked her out even more so then she started crying even harder <laughs> relatable so it's so okay you can't she, win no so she she left. Then she came back out for her second performance, still crying, still screaming for her mom. But then finally she she go the teacher, you know, was like holding her and like dancing with her. And then finally she started getting into it. And then and then the crowd cheered again. And I was like, oh no, what's gonna happen? But then she kept dancing. <laughs> Aww, I was proud like, of good her. for her. I was. We were all so happy for her because she was the she was the true the star at the end of the day that stole everybody's hearts because she was scared. She wanted her mom, but she stuck with it and she danced. So I don't know who that little girl was, but good for you. Very <laughs> relatable. I too do not like to be perceived. No, by no. anyone. Well, this especially for the little ones, it's really scary. Yeah. Well, sometimes the littles are, I mean, they don't, like, put up a put up a little curtain at the front of the classroom. They will be blissfully happy. I know. It doesn't know. have to be a big thing for the littles. For the little ones. I know. I know the parents want to see them and everything. But, you know, even they get scared in front of a room full of people. I can only imagine what, how that looks to a three-year-old. But, you know, she, uh, I'm still very happy. Like, I'm sure her mom, years from now, is be like, your first show, you were crying the whole time. <laughs> yeah, so that's going to be a good story. For it is, yeah. Life, especially if she, like, <laughs> or she say, remember my first recital? It was great. And mom will say, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh, I remember. Sure was. It yeah. was great. <laughs> yeah, you, you got those moves at the end. Yep. <laughs> I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they were all very cute. And like there were this one group was dressed up as bumblebees, and this other group was dressed up as puppy dogs, and if they're all they're all just too cute. And um so I'm glad that you know M is doing it and has found something she loves to do and is having fun with it. So proud Aunt Moment every year I like going and watching M compete. That's great. Awesome walk-off win. We love it. Maggie Wiggin, what is your walk-off one for this week? Um, it has been a slow week in the Wiggin household. Um, and we already talked about the new Mets dog. So I would like to shout out New York City Parks Department. Because you know what? Day in and day out, they do an amazing job. This is a super dense city where almost nobody has outdoor space of their own. And taking care of the city's parks is a massive job, and they actually do a really good job at it, which is, of course, why Eric Adams wants to take away all their funding, because God forbid the city be good at anything. Um, Just like he took away libraries. I was just thinking of it over the weekend, um, really getting some good post-Death Air playground time in. And like, you know, they did a redesign of like the splash pad in our local park recently and they made it accessible. And it's just such a lovely place where like you've got kids of all ages, like truly like literal babies in diapers and and like old people with walkers now going down the accessible ramp and like cooling themselves off it's just you know for a city like new york which can be heavily segregated sometimes and has some serious economic inequalities um the parks especially around here uh really serve as a, a meeting ground for everybody and it's you know the kind of place where like you know, we showed up and did not call a bunch of parents to see if they were going to be there with their kids and lo and behold they were all there just because that's where you go. It's a shared public space and that's really special. And the parks department 
does an awesome job taking care of all of that. So thumbs up Parks Department, thumbs down Eric Adams, and that's my walk-off one. We love our parks, don't we, folks? Yes. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm i sorry for uh, stealing your thunder about talking about the Mets dog in the main show. No, we it's okay. something it was, positive it was about good the Mets. For me, it was good for me to have to actually come up with something in my life other than <laughs> dogs, I don't know. <laughs> um. But my walk-off win is also about dogs, uh, so I'm not one to talk. Um, but yeah, uh, this is a walk-off win I've been holding in for like three weeks now. Um, but I can officially announce it now. Um, so my walk-off win is that Michael and I adopted a dog last week. Um, her name is Blue. Uh, after the Mets, of course, our plan is to adopt an orange tabby and name him or her Orange so that we will have the complete set of Blue and Orange. Um, we oh, love God. her very much. Uh, she has been the most wonderful addition to our family. And I'm just, I'm so overjoyed. She's so cute. Um, she's almost seven months old now, and she's just an absolute joy um, to have around. And I'm so happy. I, um, The death of our cat last year was really, really hard. Um, and we, you know, took a year to sort of just like process and have pet free life for a while. Um, and now that it's summertime and Michael's off work, it was the perfect time to bring a pet back into our lives. And so, um, we have adopted blue and we love her and shout out to, um, to lucky dog rescue, um, DC in DC, uh, based actually technically based in Arlington, Virginia, I think. Um, but DC area animal rescue, um, support your local animal rescue. They do such amazing work. Um, Lucky Dog rescues like 50 animals a week from high kill shelters in the South, in the rural South. Um, we think Blue came from South Carolina somewhere. Um, and so, yeah, just amazing work saving these animals. Um, and I couldn't imagine my life even just a week after we got her. I can't imagine my life without her in it. So um, we're so happy um, and excited and we love our We love our little girl. So, yeah, that's my walk off win. Allison, I may call her Bluey as a big Bluey fan. That is I totally may slip fine. and call her Bluey. <laughs> um she uh my my best friend says that she looks like Scrappy Doo a little bit. Um and so I, I've been singing uh like our 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 walk song is Bluey, Bluey, Blue, where are you? We got some walks to do now after you <laughs> Um, and I just heard her bang against the door, so she knows her song already. Oh, <laughs> um, so yeah, she's here, uh, because I've said her name so many times that so she could probably hear it. Um, so yeah, uh, Bluey is totally acceptable because I've been doing it. Um, yeah, so she's gonna end up with lots of nicknames, I'm sure, and we'll need lots of lots of pictures to oh, get yes. us through. My Twitter account, my Twitter account has gone from a Mets account to a dog account. Like that transformation is already underway. That's acceptable. I can't imagine anyone complaining. No. If you you don't already follow me on Twitter, you should follow me because I'll post dog every day. (laughs) Uh, I won't post about the Mets much because they're depressing. Instead, I will post dog. Um, So that you have that to look forward to if you follow me. Um, But you know what you should do is you should go to homerunapplesauce.com. And check out all of our podcasts. And you should, as we already talked about, um, support our work on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash homerunapplesauce. You can also follow Home Run Applesauce on the various social medias on Instagram and Twitter at HRAppleSauce. You can follow this show on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at a pot of their own. You can email the show own at gmail.com. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD, now a dog account. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Servage. And you, Maggie? At Maggie162. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search Home Run Applesauce and you should find all of our shows right there. Please rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crime in God.